Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you don't have it, they'll put it up on the screen. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Listen to what Paul, that, that's discipleship right there. He said, the things that you've learned, the things you've seen in my life, the things, he said, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. I love that. Can I pause for, for this cause right here? Because I love, did you catch it? The, the, the precedence that he set for committing it? He said, commit it to faithful men that are able to teach. Isn't it amazing that Paul said, make sure you look for faithfulness before ability. Because oftentimes we're quick to jump on ability, which represents gift or talent, but we don't see if there's faithfulness which represents heart and spirit. He said, I prize faithfulness over ability. Keep reading. Stay with me. And then he said this, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be must first, must be first to partake of crops. Verse 7, he says this: consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all of these things. I want to teach from this particular text this morning thank you uh, here in second timothy you have the apostle paul who's writing to um, a mentee a young man that he has mentored uh, a young pastor uh, to be honest that he's raised up in the faith uh, who's currently now pastoring one of the largest churches that paul had established or or planted which was the church of Eph ephesus and he's coming to him at a very strategic and pivotal and actually critical time in this man's life because of all that has taken place in the city um, and, and I would even say in the nation during that time, very harsh and critical times. And what I want to talk to you this morning, because this is where Paul was coming to, to Timothy to really instill in him. If you're taking notes, I want to talk to you from this subject of a mindset to make it. A mindset or mindsets to make it. To make it. To keep going. To keep moving forward. To keep pressing. As we just saying, to keep standing. To keep believing. Because that's... Paul writes the letter here to Timothy, one who, had, who he has raised up in the faith, a son of, in the faith, as we would use that terminology in, in church. 
understand the timing and the context which this was written. During this time, there was a wicked, wicked ruler, the Bible said, that was in charge um, ruling during this time and dictator. He was a man by the name of Nero. Some had given him the name of Dr. Death, a madman of misery or the guru of grief. It was all because of how nasty and how violent and how treacherous and how wicked Nero was. And the way that he treated people and tortured people of that time, particularly those of faith, it is said that he even executed his own mother, his wife, and his brother-in-law. He would, he, would, he would find much fun and sport in the way that he persecuted believers. It said that he would fillet the skin of believers and throw them in manure for sport and laugh. Another, another historian said he would wrap, wrap um, believers in animal skins and throw them to lions, fry them in griddles, push them down razor-sharp slides where they would cut themselves. And then he would take oftentimes believers and dip them into hot boiling tar. It is in this environment and under this dictator and under this rulership that Paul is addressing Timothy in, in this current state. And what Timothy is facing right now, the script, is what you got to realize is because of Nero's nastiness and persecution and all that he was doing, the Bible said that many, many believers no longer stood. Many believers began to fall away and drift away. Many of them no longer wanted to associate with the faith or with Jesus Christ because now they recognized that there was a huge price tag that came with serving and believe and trusting and believing in God. And it said that many begin to leave and depart from the faith. You would hear the terms like shipwreck faith and leaving the faith. And many here in Ephesus, which was a booming large church at the time, had now began to dwindle because members were leaving. They said, we can't handle the pressure. We can't handle and risk our lives going through so much. And, 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 and if this could cause me my family or cause me my children or cause me my, my livelihood, I'd rather just go back to where I was and live the life that I used to live for safety. Not only that, it was some of the most faithful members that it teaches us that Timothy had leaders. It even said leaders in the church who held prominent positions that he poured his life into, that he mentored, that he discipled and raised up. And the scripture said they began to depart too. It is here in this catastrophic setting that now this pastor Timothy, his mind is overwhelmed. He's faced with all of what is going on. It's one thing to deal with the things that are going out on outside, but now he's dealing with the things that are going on on the inside. This pastor, this minister, this believer, mine now is being overwhelmed with stress. What am I going to do? How am I going to make it? How am I going to get through this? I know what God has called me to do. I know what word God has given me, like we just sang. I know the prophecy, I know the word, I know the promise, but right now nothing resembles the promise. Matter of fact, it looks exactly the opposite. It is here in this place that the Bible said that Timothy began, that Paul begins to write Timothy. 
Knowing everything that he's facing, knowing everything that he's going through, knowing everything that he's up against, it is here that he pins these words, and I'll read them to you again. He looks this young man through, through, through the eyes of this writing in this letter, and I can see it. If the letter had hands, I could see the hands of the letter reaching up, grabbing Timothy, I would say by the lapels, but I can't, push, uh, I can't uh, uh, prove that he had on a jacket, but maybe by the robe at that time and pulling him close in, looking him dead in the eyes and saying, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the, care, the affairs of life. He that is enlisted must please his commander. You gotta compete like an athlete, he said, and you gotta continue to work hard like a farmer. I don't know about you, but that might have been a tough pill to swallow. But basically what Paul was telling Timothy, he said, listen to me. You got to have this mindset to make it. You were never promised that this was going to be easy. It was never promised that this was going to be just a cakewalk. But I want to tell you, if you have the right mindset, you can make it. I want to tell somebody this morning that with the right mindset, you can make it. It may be tough right now. It may be hard right now. It may be difficult right now. It may be confusing right now. You may not have all the answers. You may not have all the solutions. But what I can tell you this morning, that my, my, the way I think and what's dominant in my mind will determine the outcome in my life. And with the right mindset, I want to declare over you this morning that you can make it. I want to declare this morning, you're going to make it. The enemy has tried to get in some of your minds and create doubt, create fear, create despondency, intimidation to get you to draw back, throw in the towel, and give up. But he messed around and let you come to the wrong service. I'm here to preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit with a desire to drive out every lying spirit, every lie of the devil, every intimidating voice that will try to get you and me to live beneath what God God has called us to do. I particularly want to talk to people who even been in ministry for a while and seem like the ministry has dwindled and died. There's what you're wondering, is it still there? Is it still intact? Yes, it is still intact. And you got to have the mindset that you're going to make it. Your mindset will determine your life set. I'm going to say it again. Your mindset will determine your life set. That's why the Bible is very clear about set your mind on things which are above. Paul says, think on these things because the reality of it is what you put in your mind will determine how you think and what you put, what determines how you think will determine how you believe and how you believe will determine how you act. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And Paul comes and he says, Timothy, I want to give you these mindsets that you're going to have to have if you're going to hate make it. And I'm going to give them to you this morning. Are you ready? Number one in our text, he, he points it out very clear. The first mindset that you're going to have to have if you're going to make it is the mindset of a dedicated soldier. Notice what he said in our text. Who has enlisted him as a soldier? Notice what he said. Timothy, when you got saved, you didn't just become a saint, but you became a soldier. You're not just saved to be saved, but you've been enlisted in the army of the Lord. 
And you got to realize this morning that you, if you are blood-bought and born again and a child of God, you've been enlisted. You've been chosen. You've been elected to be a part of this great army called the kingdom of God. The scripture said this, that any good soldier, I love this, desires to please him who has enlisted him. Understand that as soldiers this morning, our number one priority should be to please God Almighty or the one who has enlisted us. Are you with me this morning? Every good soldier desires to please his commander. Paul's word says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. It is our, it is our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Colossians 1.10 says this, to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him and being fruitful. Psalms 19 and 14 in the New Living Translation says this, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Notice he said the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. In other words, God wants me to please him internally and he wants me to please him externally. I want to ask you this morning, is the life you living pleasing to God? Is the what can I is the life you living pleasing to God? Can you look at your decisions? Can you look at your choices? Can you look at the ways that you're living and say, This absolutely pleases God? Is the way you treat your wife, is it pleasing to God? The way you treat your husband, is it pleasing to God? The way you raise your kids, the way you 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 work on your job, the way you treat people, is it pleasing to God? Are you pleasing to God? Is it pleasing how I talk to people? Is it pleasing how I interact? And just, I mean, you would say, well, Javon, you just don't get it. Some people are just jerks. <laughs> and I'll probably use a better word than some of you would use. See, they're laughing, told you. And I get it. But remember that we don't live, listen to me, as believers and those who have been enlisted in the army of the Lord, we are not to be reactors, we are, be, are to be responders. In other words, we don't react in the flesh, we respond in the spirit. And I, yes, it's tough sometimes when you're going through. It's tough sometimes when things are happening to you. But we have to be people that our number one priority is, Lord, I want to please you. So in pleasing you, it means yes I have to bless those that curse me do good to those that hate me and pray for those that despitefully use and persecute me to please him yes I have to forgive even when I want to yes I have to ask God to get rid of the bitterness and resentment in my heart that is choking me that is suffocating me spiritually if I want to please he said if you're in the uh, understand that you're a soldier in the army of the Lord your number one priority is to please me Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, Paul said, I'm not trying to please people. I want to please God. Do you think I'm trying to please people? He said, if I were doing that, listen to what Paul said. He said, I could not be a servant of God. He said, when you get into the business of pleasing people, you will be out of the business of pleasing God. You got to understand you're not going to be able to please everybody no matter how hard you try. But your number one goal is to please him. And some people, the reason why they can't 
can't please God is they're too busy trying to please people. They can't sell out to God because they're too busy trying to fit in with people. They can't give their all to God because they're giving their all to everybody else. But I come this morning to tell you if you're going to have a mindset to make it and be a soldier that's enlisted in the army of the Lord, you have to live your life to please him. Can I get a big amen right there? The Bible said, he said, you got, he said, if you're enlisted, notice what he said to please him. He said, you cannot become entangled. He said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. What do you mean the affairs of this life? It's the same words and the same phrase that Mark used in Mark 4, 18, when he talked about the parable of the sower and the ones who were sown among the, among the thorns are those who hear the word. Listen to this, the cares and anxieties of the world and the distractions of this age, the pleasures and the delight and false glamour, hmm, social media, but anyway, deceitfulness of riches and craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitfulness. He's saying that you cannot get entangled in the cares of this world. Listen, here's the thing about this. If you look at it and study, it's not necessarily talking about about bad things but it's talking about when I allow the things of this world to so consume my life that it becomes dominant in my life it begins to control me it's nothing wrong with having money but money can't control you it's nothing wrong with having things but things cannot control you and he's saying I get just get entangled with the things of this life and for long it begins to draw me away and pull me away and have me wrapped up in the things I'm gonna go ahead and preach right here because let me give you this verse because second Peter uh, chapter 2 verse 20 and it says when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again they are worse off than before can I preach right here the enemy's job I'm preaching to someone is to try to get you entangled back into old ways old mindsets and old patterns see as long as you were un saved you weren't an enemy of the enemy but now that you've been enlisted you become an enemy and he wants to do everything he possibly can to get you and I pulled back into bondage he'll try to do it through temptation he'll try to do it through deception he'll try to do it through accusation he'll try to do it through oppression but you and I have to get to the place that we refuse to be entangled and declare I will not let fear immobilize me I will not allow peer pressure to compromise me. I will not allow culture to conform me. I will not let idleness to cause me to be apathetic and mediocre, but I am in the army of the Lord, and if I'm going to make it, and my family's going to make it, I cannot be entangled. Some of you have got to resist the urge to going back to old things. It's just like the children of Israel. God didn't have a problem with getting them out of Egypt his biggest issue was getting Egypt out of them and the Bible said once they got out then things got tough and things got hard that urge to go back to back into bondage they, they even said listen at the deception it was better off in Egypt it was better off in Egypt but here's your word this morning. Proverbs tell us, do not be like a dog that goes back to his vomit. Do not go back 
to what made you sick. Be not entangled. Oh, this ain't shouting stuff, is it? But it's teaching stuff. Next thing, he said, if you're enlisted, he said, don't be entangled. You got to please. And notice the next thing he said, you got to endure hardship as a good soldier. That word endure, it means to carry through. It means to, to, to uh, endure, endure hardships. It means this, listen to this, despite fatigue, stress, or adverse conditions. It means to hang in there, to never give up, refuse to surrender to the obstacles. Look, it means to, it, it turns down, I love this, every opportunity to quit. Steadfast, unwavering, unflinching, and consistent. He said, endure hardship as a good soldier. Paul was telling Timothy that it's going to be hard at times, but you got to endure. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 10 says this, but when you have carefully followed my doctrine, my purposes in faith and long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions and afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium, what persecutions I endured. Listen to what Paul said. And out of them, the Lord delivered me, delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Did you hear that word? All that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, he said persecution and opposition will come, but you don't hang out there. You hang out to what Paul said. He said, if you endure, he said, the Lord will deliver you out of them all. Did you hear that? He didn't say not one. He didn't say two. He didn't say three. He said, your God. God will deliver you out of them all. He said it's part of the package as a believer, but you have to believe that God is able to deliver us from them all. Amen. He said you're going to have to endure. Understand that ultimate victory is not always scarless and woundless. It is possible at times to lose a round but still win the fight. It is possible at times to, to, to look like the victim, but when you're really the victor. Even Jesus Christ himself today as the reigning victor and champ still has scars of what he's been through. Don't be scared by the scars. Paul tells us in, in 2 Corinthians 11, he said, Timothy, let me teach you this also. If anybody can tell you how to endure, I know how to endure. He said, in stripes above measure, but I endured. He said, I was beaten five times with 39 stripes, but I endured. Three times I was beaten with rods and stone, but I endured. In perils of water in the sea, in perils of robbers with Jews and, Jews and Gentiles, in the city and in the wilderness. Listen to what he said but I endured in weariness and toil and sleepness and hunger and thirst and fastings and cold and nakedness but I endured why am I reading that to you because the Bible said these things are for our learning it's teaching us that the same God that gave power to Timothy and Paul to endure is the same God that is with you and I today he is not changed the same grace the same spirit and the same power is available. What we need, I put it down, is bulldog believers and postage stamp saints. Winston Church Hill put it like this, bulldog, a bulldog's nose is slanted backwards so he can continue to breathe without letting go. Another writer put it like this, a postage stamp usefulness consists in its ability, listen to this, to stick to something until it gets there. 
Oh, I'm going to say that again. It said the only use of that postage stamp, the true value that it has, and its ability to stick to something until it gets there. I want to tell somebody, you got to stick to it until it gets there. Stick to it until the breakthrough comes. Stick to it till the miracle is performed. Stick to it, through, come on somebody, till the child comes back home. Stick to it till the healing is manifest. Stick to it until the business starts flourishing. Stick to it, come on. You got to learn to stick to some stuff. That's what faith is. It's being able to stick to it till I get to the determined outcome that God has promised. What enable Paul to endure hardships? If you're going to have the mindset to endure, you got to have an unconditional yes. What do you mean, Pastor Javon? An unconditional yes. In other words, a commitment to the Lord without reservation. In other words, when you said yes at that altar, in that room, or wherever you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, it has to be an unconditional yes. You'll never have the mindset to make it with vacillating and being double-minded. You never have the mindset to make it. If your, 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 your whole goal is live as close to the air, how, how close can I get in? How close can I get and still be saved? Why? I don't understand that mindset. What, you know, when people ask, well, what can I do? Or what? No, 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 no. Look, no, no. You got to have the mindset. Why do I want to live as close as I can? No, I want to live as close to Jesus as I can. And understand, you got to have an unconditional yes. That when you said, yes, Lord, come into my life and save me and forgive me and wash me and cleanse me, it meant yes, no matter what. No matter how hard it gets, yes. No matter how tough it gets, yes. No matter how painful it can become, yes. When I don't understand, yes, yes, yes. The, boy, I remember in the old time, the church used to sing songs. They go, yes. Yes, yes, oh yes. Y'all didn't know your boy could sing it, but yes, yeah. And that's all you would hear. And they just say yes. And it was a sign of surrendering. They didn't understand the things that make sense, but they were saying yes to your will, yes to your word, yes to your way, because your way is the best way. Is there anybody in here this morning has given God your unconditional yes? It can't be yes when it's comfortable. It can't be yes when it feels good. It can't be yes as long as things are in a place. Because see, that's what happens sometimes. We have part-time Christians that demand a full-time God. I want to do it on my terms. But it cannot be that. It's yes. You got to have a say unconditional yes. Are you ready? Let me give you this. You got to get up when you fall. If you're going to have the mindset to make it of a good soldier, you got to get up when you fall. Let me just go ahead and declare this. Failure is not a person. Failure is an attitude. I'm going to say it again. Who told you you was a failure? Who said you was a failure? Failure is not a person. Failure is an attitude. It's not whether or not you fall. It's how you react when you fall. Because a righteous man falleth down several times and he gets back up again. 
The Bible said that the steps of a good man of the Lord, of, of, of steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his path, and though he may stumble and fall, the Lord's hands are underneath him. And oh, I can't stand the devil that when somebody falls, a believer falls or messes up or screws up or do, can I say screw up? I said it. But anyway, screws up or messes up and he comes to tell you that your failure is final. We sang it this morning, but somebody this morning needs to hear it's time for you to get up. Your failure is not final. Your mistake is not the end. Your trauma doesn't mean that it's over. If you are in this room this morning if you have breath in your lungs and you can hear my voice it is never too late God is not done with you yet it's time to get up underneath you are his everlasting arms he depended on his strength the Bible said he said my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus but then he said this right here. He said, he said, not only do you got to get up when you fail. Are you ready? You got to have a revelation of the outcome. What do you mean, Javon? Listen to this Moses testimony in Hebrews eleven twenty seven. said, by faith, he left Egypt. Listen to this. Not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Wait a minute, keep that up there. He had a revelation. You gotta have a revelation of your outcome. What do you mean? Look what Moses said. How do you see who you can't see? He said, what kept me enduring, what kept me moving forward, what kept me in the fight, he said, I saw him, I love it, who is invisible. What is he saying? He said, I'm not afraid of this king because I've seen the king of kings. And what is it is is a principle, watch this, of the unseen. What he's actually saying, what I see is only temporarily, but it's the unseen that's eternal. I'm gonna give you scripture. Paul puts it like this, look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things that you see are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In other words, this is as worse as it's gonna get. This life is temporary. This time on this side of eternity is temporary. And in light of eternity, the Bible said this is light affliction. And what, Paul, what Moses said, what kept me going, I kept my eye on the prize. I kept my eye on Jesus. I kept focusing on the unseen promises of God because here is the reality of it. No matter what this life hands to me, no matter what I go through, it is a fixed fight in the end for the believer. Come on, somebody. It is a fixed fight at the end and you're gonna win because of Jesus Christ. 
That's why it said looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. There it is. Oh God, the author and finisher of our faith. Our God never starts something and not finish it. It says looking to the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. That's where we stop. But look, look but keep going. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You hear that quoted. But look at the next verse. This is where the, this is where the, where, where the mm comes from. Because he said, I'm not t- done talking to you. For consider him, here it is, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. He said, focus on me. Was I not done wrong? Was I not persecuted? Did I not go through hell? Did people not walk out on me? Did people not lie on me? Did people not false accuse me? Was I not beaten? Was I not done dirty? Was I not done wrong? He said, look at me as the author and finisher of your faith. I haven't gone, you haven't gone through or going through anything that I haven't gone through. He said, but what gives you the courage is to keep looking at Jesus Christ who is right now sitting at the right hand of God and he said because I went through you're going to come through because I overcame you're going to overcome but you got to be willing to endure and don't get weary in your souls because it's a fixed fight if you stay in faith and last as they come to the music my last point I ain't, you know I'm not going to finish all this all today but I next, not next week or a couple weeks, I'm going to finish this. And the last thing he said this of a soldier, you got to remember, we're engaged. Not talking about a wedding ring, either wedding man. He said this words, are you ready? I'm going to end right here. He said we are engaged. No one engaged in warfare. I want to tell you this morning, that we must realize that we're in a war. First Timothy 1.8 says, wage a good warfare. First Timothy 6.12 said, fight the good fight of faith. Second Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. These are all words Paul keeps writing to Timothy. And what we got to realize, the war that, we in, that we're in. Ephesians 6 says this, listen to me, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. It says against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You got to understand, yep, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand, to stand. Can I tell you this morning that as a soldier in the army of the Lord, and if you're going to have a mindset to make it, you got to recognize that not only that there is an unseen world, which is a real world. I want to tell you this morning that spirits are real. Demons are real. I said demons are real. Fallen angels, demons are real. Spirits are real. The Bible has over 80-something references to different types of spirits in, in the Bible that the scripture is very clear. And we got to talk about this stuff. I'm not talking about going on witch hunts and doing stupid stuff and acting crazy. I don't have to look for devils. I run into them enough. I don't have to go chasing and trying to find any. 
But what I'm telling you, notice rulers of the, there are spirits that operate behind the scenes. There are spirits that work through systems and places of authority. Did you get it? Rulers of dark in heavenly places, places of authority, places of influence, and places of power. And you got to understand that everything you see is not what you see. It's like transformers. There's more than meets the eye. And I'm not saying everybody has a devil. But there is demonic influence and oppression unclean spirits, spirits of infirmities, seducing spirits, and doctrines of demons, the Bible said, would be rampant in the last days like never before. And if you don't believe me, just look around. And you got to learn, the scripture said, that's why you got to be careful. Quit fighting in the flesh. You, Paul said, the flesh profit you nothing. This is not a flesh fight. It's a faith fight. I'll give you an example. This week, we, you know, at our school, last month or so, just crazy stuff going on, and I'm sure at other schools too. But, you know, kids bringing guns to school, threatening to shoot another kid, and, and all this stuff. And, you know, you get calls from our kids, oh, we're in lockdown, can't come get us. And, you know, all, all this crazy, and you're just like, what in the world? So every morning, drop them off. I plead the blood of Jesus and declare the word of God over them. Every morning, I do, I do. They know it too. They probably get tired of it. You're not getting out of this car yet. You know what I'm about to say and do. I'm late. You're going to be late today. You're going to get this blessing and covering. But my son texted us last week, said, Mom, Dad, there's a possible another threat in the school with a gun. And I looked at it and said, doggone it, in my flesh, first instinct, I'm going to get my child. I'm sick of this. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And actually, I attempted, and I stopped. And I, this is just me. I'm not telling you what to do. I didn't go. I said, you know what? I'm not going to let this fear keep controlling me, trying to get in me. I stood right there where I was. I said, no, in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, I bind every assignment that of the enemy, every wicked plot and scheme, every method of the devil that is trying to come against this school and these students, and not only these schools, but every school in this region, in this city. And I declare in Jesus' name, no weapon formed against them shall be able to prosper. I plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would dispatch your angels to surround that school, like Zephaniah says, with a ring of fire. And every attempt of hell shall come to naught in the name of Jesus. My kids are safe. My children are protected. Protected. The angels of the Lord encamp around them and keep them because they belong. Okay, uh, 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 do y'all understand what I'm talking about? But you, I did. I started getting into a preaching and declaring fit, but it, it just hit me. That's not nothing weird for us. That's who we are. That's who our thought. Come on. That's where our power. That's where our authority. We got to quit work and start complaining and freaking out and start standing and declaring the word of the Lord. Do you believe? Absolutely. I believed everything that I said. And I went back to doing what I, I was doing. And later on, my son said, Dad, everything's all right. Everything's good. We're good. 
And I said under my breath, I know it is. Because he said it and I believe it. He said it and I believe it. That's when the word becomes a two-edged sword out of your mouth. When you speak what he says into the situation. The Bible says this as you stand to your feet. I want to remind you. Linda, in Luke 10, 19, that I give you authority. Listen to me today. If you got to have a mindset to make it, you need to understand the authority that you've been given in Christ Jesus. He said, I give you authority. Who there it is. To trample. He didn't say, behold, I give pastors. Behold, I give apostles. Behold, I give preachers and teachers and evangelists. He was speaking to disciples. He was speaking to believers. I give you authority. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. They represent spirits. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Notice he said, I give you authority. It's the word exousia. It means delegated authority. It means the right to enforce. Mm. Oh, what I love about, did you hear what it said? Did it say over some of the power of the enemy? Did it say a few powers of the enemy? It said over all the power of the enemy. It all in the Greek means all. Let me go ahead and break it down. He said over all the power of the enemy. You have that as a believer. And if we're going to have the mindset to make it, we got to start standing in authority. We got to decree and declare what God says. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what all this foolishness says that everybody is babbling and fighting with each other. What did God say? I'm going to say what he says. I'm going to believe what he says. I'm going to speak what he says. I'm going to preach what he says. I'm going to pray what he says. Come on. I'm going to praise what he says and worship what he says. Because your weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You got weapons this morning. The weapons of the blood of Jesus, the weapons of the word of God, the weapons of the name of Jesus. No, we got weapons of mass destruction as believers. We got weapons that are able to pull down and demolish the strongholds of the enemy, but we will never make it if we don't have this mindset I've been given the authority. Every head bow and every eye close. Please, no one leaving, no one moving. I want to go back to the first point. Everything that I say is only applied to those who have been enlisted. It only applies to those who have given God a yes. And listen, you can't operate in authority if you're not submitted to authority. That authority is delegated. And you can't receive it until you submit to it. And submitting to it is to surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you this morning in this room, have you made that decision? Have you been enlisted? You can hang around the army, but it doesn't mean you're in the army. You can dress up in military clothes, but it doesn't mean that you're military. You can talk like a sergeant, act like a soldier, but that doesn't make you a soldier.
It's only when you've been enlisted. And this morning, before we dismiss, I want to give you an opportunity to be enlisted. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you had never surrendered your life to him completely and fully, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Or maybe you're that person that has fallen down and the enemy has convinced you that you can't get back up, you can't get back to where you were, that you've messed up so bad that, that, that God can't use you again or forgive you and get you back on your feet and put you back into the proper place of his promise and calling. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But you got to come back through repentance and he'll restore you. I'm going to count to three if I'm talking to you. I just want you to acknowledge it by raising your hand wherever you're standing. One, if you feel that you're that person and you know that you hadn't been enlisted. Two, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for you to come off the sidelines of church and religion. It's time for you to get in the army. It's time for you to get back in the army. You, 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 you've went spiritual AWOL. But it's time for you to come back to your proper place in Him. Pray for me. Three, if that's you, raise your hand up right where you're standing. I want to pray for you. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Raise it up high. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. I'll give you a few more moments. Raise it up. Anyone else? What I want to do, those that raise their hand, this is what I want to do. I'm going to lead them in a prayer. But also what I want to do today is something that we're going to do. If you're in here and you need prayer, personal prayer, maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're, you're battling something. Maybe you need direction and you need somebody to partner with you in prayer. The thing about soldiers, they know how to partner with each other. They know how to stand with each other. And one gets lame or one gets down, they come under each other and help each other. The Bible said the strong bears the infirmities of the weak. We're going to have our prayer team to come down to the front this morning. And if you need prayer for anything, I don't care what it is, they will pray with you, they will agree with you, and we're going to believe God and stand on this word. Amen? I'm going to lead these in this prayer that raise their hands first. But then after that, our prayer team is going to come. They're going to come, and, you're, and, and you can ask them for prayer. They know how to pray, and they'll pray with you. Every one of you, I want you to join this prayer, and especially those that raise their hand. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and wash me in your blood. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for washing me. Today, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.